We've turned away from this in such a way that we can't even know right from wrong. We can't even look at history with an honest eye. We believe everything we're told and we're not willing to seek it out for ourselves. That's the exact same problem Israel had in the time when these prophecies about the millennium were written. Uninterested in the truth. Men have always been uninterested in the truth. Nothing ever changes. We can't really know everything that happened in history because we don't have written records and there's holes we have to fill in. However, where those holes exist, we can know what happened because we know human nature and human nature never changes. We can know the future not only because of God's prophecies but because of human nature. Men don't change. Men, if left to themselves, are evil. They're wicked. They're... they're, um, self-serving, they're racist, they're religious, all of these things that turn men away from God and turn them against each other. And you'd think that after all of these centuries of men doing it wrong, we could look at it and learn from it. But we don't. They don't even teach history anymore. We ought to be looking at what happened in this nation 150 years ago and learning from it so it doesn't happen again. But the problem is it will happen again. That's why we need the Messiah. That's why we can't get embroiled or enmeshed in these political controversies and think that a political candidate or an election is going to change anything apart from the Messiah. Our hope is in His kingdom. And His kingdom is coming. And the Bible reveals details of this kingdom. We've been talking about that. You know, we're kind of in this little seven-part mini-series about the millennium couched within this greater study on Revelation. If you remember, we've talked about how this kingdom is a literal kingdom. It's not a fairy tale in the sky. It's a theocracy. Remember, a theocracy is very different from a democracy. In a theocracy, God elects the leader. Men don't elect him. God elects him. God elects a leader, and that leader is his son, the Messiah. And he reigns through the visible person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not necessarily a good thing that the people elect a leader. In fact, direct democracy... That would say one vote, one man. The popular vote ought to be the leader of this country. Our founding fathers said that that was evil and mischievous and wicked. Because that means that the leadership of a nation can turn on the dime of a mob. Mm -hmm. Of a people. A mob of people so easily turned to unrighteousness. You know, back in the day to have a vote, you had to own property. We think, oh, how horrible is that? Well, if you own property, you were paying taxes. I would think that those paying taxes ought to have more say than those that don't. You know, what's a shame is I walk around and I see people in society and I see people taking advantage of the system and I see people just, I don't even know how they function from time to time. I pay taxes. I'm a family man. I try to live as a good citizen. And their vote counts just as much as mine. Cancels mine out. Because we are a people that have turned from God. I don't blame them for that. I don't even blame the government for that. It's because we've turned away from God. So we can't put our hope in these things. We've got to put our hope in the kingdom. The kingdom that's coming is a theocracy. It's not a democracy. Our country wasn't founded as a democracy. It was founded as a constitutional republic with built-in safeguards to ensure that a mob couldn't take over this country and take everything away. But yet, that's what we see today. There's mobs on both sides of the political aisle, my friends. 
We don't need to align ourselves with either of those mobs. But it's a theocracy that's coming. Jesus Christ, the king of the whole earth. Israel, the chief nation of the earth. The seat of government will be the land of Israel. Both Israel, the church, and the tribulation saints will have governmental authority and help carry out this rule over the planet. We talked about the land of Israel, what it will look like in the millennium. Very different from now. The entire land grant promised to Abraham in Genesis 12 will be realized. There will be an earthly city of Jerusalem, the capital city. That city will have a temple. We talked about the, the millennial temple that Ezekiel, it was revealed to Ezekiel at the end of, uh, toward the end of his life in the days of captivity. And the last thing we talked about was the blood sacrifices that will take place in the millennium. There will be blood sacrifices. A daily morning sacrifice, no evening sacrifice. Burnt meat, drink, sin, and peace offerings. And the trespass offerings. A lot of people can't handle that truth. Oh, Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. There is no more sacrifice. That can't be literal. That must be talking about some symbol that was fulfilled a thousand years ago. How could there ever be blood sacrifices in the millennium? Well, the Bible says there will be, and the Bible tells us why. And that's the last thing we talked about. Why are there blood sacrifices in Christ's kingdom? Well, number one, it's Israel's discipline. Number two, it's for instruction about what truly is right and wrong, what truly is righteous and profane, something that Israel has never learned since the days of Mount Sinai, and it's for provision. It's the livelihood of a whole group of Levites and priests that will be doing the Lord's work. It's Israel's community service. You know, if you remember when God gave a law to Israel at Mount Sinai, Israel was very foolish. It wasn't God that said, you do this. It was Israel that said, everything the Lord tells us, we will do it. We'll do it. It's the same thing Israel did when they came back from the captivity. We'll make these covenants. We'll do it right this time. And in both cases, they never did. You don't tell God you're going to do something and he not hold you to it. He holds you to it. In the millennial kingdom, Israel will keep the law as she was supposed to. And why was she supposed to? Deuteronomy is very clear. Not for personal righteousness. The law of God was never meant to make a man righteous. It never took away his sins. It pointed to the Messiah. It pointed to the faith of Abraham. It showed us our sin and our need for a Savior. But it was also to teach the nations. And it was to teach the nations. Israel, through the keeping of this law, would teach the nations that the God of Israel is the God of creation. That He is the true God. They were to teach the nations. It was their evangelism. And they never did it. So the millennium is a time when she will do what she promised she would. God keeps, holds her to her word. And she does. This is a time when these things happen. Israel is under community service, I would say. She's serving her sentence of community service. And therefore, there's a temple, there's blood sacrifices. And just as in the Old Testament, these things exist to teach the world. Now, we as the church, the bride of Christ, in our resurrection bodies, will have governmental authority. These things are taught by Jesus in his parable. Particularly, I believe, over the Gentile nations. We talked about the millennium as 
Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest is very important to the Lord. I'm not talking about observing a bunch of rules and you can't flip on a light switch and you need to stop what you're doing at this time on Friday. I'm not talking about any of that. Israel perverted that. But Sabbath rest was important to God. Israel was to give the land rest. She refused to do it for all those years and she went into captivity for 70 years so the land could rest. The millennium is, is the Sabbath rest for this planet. 6,000 years, I believe, of toil since the fall. A thousand years of rest. We talked about biblical chronology and how it relates and how we can't know the day or the hour but the, the, the time of the world's toil is coming to an end and we looked at chronology why we come to the conclusion, why, why people have come to the conclusion that the earth was created in 4004 B.C. And I showed you in the scriptures how we come to that. I talked about biblical chronology. It's trustworthy. It's trustworthy. We can trust it. We can know that we are in the latter times. We can know that though Jesus may not be at the door, He's in the hallway. These things are close. And we see the signs all around. Anybody read about the locust plagues that have descended upon East Africa this week? Watched any of those videos? I mean, these are the things, you know, earthquakes in diverse places, wars, rumors of wars. I mean, you know, he spoke pretty plain, but yet we've always got an answer about why that can't be what's happening. We looked at some Old Testament snapshots, what the Old Testament has to say. I knew a, a brother in Christ once, good brother, faithful preacher, loves to share the gospel. Good brother, we were talking about the millennial reign of Christ. And he says, how can you believe or base a doctrine upon a single passage of Scripture in the New Testament that talks about a thousand-year reign? He was referring to Revelation chapter 20. You know, how can you build a doctrine upon a single mention of a number? Well, friend, first of all, it doesn't mention it once. It mentions it six times. And all Revelation 20 does is give us a time period. The millennial kingdom is proclaimed throughout the Old Testament. Throughout the Old Testament, details. And these details give us hope. And so we began to look at some of those things in the preceding weeks. I, I hate to get caught up summarizing the past, but I've been gone a little bit and just trying to bring us back to place. Today, I want to look at, or at least get started, I want to look at three major passages from the Old Testament that talk about the millennial reign, the future reign of Messiah. Okay? These passages were written down by the prophets um, in times when Israel was in rebellion against God, when the days were dark, when there might be some question amongst the people about whether or not God would even keep His promise. These were written down in times much like we are in today in America. And they were written to give a distant, sure hope in times of trouble. That's why they were written. And they're written, therefore, for us. We need to take hope in the future that's already been written down. Not in the near future, but in the distant future. Because one day, all of these things that trouble us will be made right. All of the blood of the unborn that's been shed will be avenged. All of the liars that seem to escape justice won't escape it. There's a payday someday. And there's a payday for us. We don't escape. If your trust is not in Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the Bible, you can't escape either. 
and the evils of somebody else won't be an excuse for you in the day of judgment. Jesus Christ of the Bible, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah of Israel, He's the only one that can save you to God, to this kingdom, but He's the only one that can save you from God and from the wrath that's coming. Keep that in mind. So Christ is the merit for our soul. We dare not be trusted in anything else and think we're any better than all of this corruption out here because apart from Christ, there go I. But I want to look at some Old Testament passages today and just kind of go through them verse, through ver verse by verse. I don't know how far we'll get. But think of it as an opportunity to be encouraged about what is to come, to forget about all this garbage around us right now. And to think about what's coming. What's coming is much better. Much better than the best that MAGA could ever be. And I say that as somebody who appreciates a lot that's happened here in the last few years. But I'm afraid we're looking at the wrong source. I'm afraid we've been given an opportunity as the church to stand up and use an open door. And to draw back to the Lord and to experience revival. And we haven't done it. So you think that the door that's been opened to us is going to stay open forever? If God's given us an opportunity and we don't take it, then it's going to slam shut. So I can't predict for you what's going to happen tomorrow, later today. And it concerns me that people are so sure, so sure about what's going to happen in November for this country. That's a danger sign. We can't know because there's a God that governs in the kingdoms of men. He puts people in power that he desires. And when a nation turns its back on God, both right and left, it can't even know its own way. All it can do is stumble in the darkness and turn upon itself. And that's what we're seeing today. The same alarm bells were raised by preachers in the 1850s, but nobody listened.